Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School. That's in Sherman Center, the center of town Sherman, Sheboygan County, Random Lake, Wisconsin. All right. It's all actually in the official name of the congregation, as we mentioned yesterday. Town of Sherman, Sheboygan County. Yes. Oh, Unaltered Augsburg Confession. Don't forget that. All right. Uh, we continue today with our catechesis from Matthew's Gospel. We're into Matthew chapter 9 today, a text that we'll hear later this summer as our gospel text, um, but helpful then to be prepared for when we hear it preached um, to have considered it in some detail, which we'll do today. And again, uh, everything seems to be working, so happy, happy, happy. <laughs> All right, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our psalm for this week, Psalm 83, uh, you know what, <laughs> even with all the hard names, let's try to sing it today. <laughs> Good luck, right? Yeah. O God, do not keep silence, do not hold your peace, or be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make an uproar, those who hate you have raised their hands. They lay crafty plans against your people, they consult together against your treasured ones. They say, Come, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they conspire with one accord. Against you they make a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gabel and Ammon, and Hamalak, Philistia, with the inhabitants of Tyre. Asher also has joined them. They are the strong arm of the children of Lot. Do to them as you did to Midian, as to Sisera and Jabin at the river Kishon who were destroyed at Endor, who became dung for the ground. Make their nobles like Horeb and Zeb, all their princes like Zabah and Zalmunah, who said, Let us take possession for ourselves of the pastures of God. O my God, Make them like whirling dust, like chaff before the wind. As fire consumes the forest, as the flame sets the mountains ablaze. So may you pursue them with your tempest, and terrify them with your hurricane. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek your name, O Lord. 
Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace, that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the Most High over all the earth. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. Actually, that's a pretty good example of uh, just a side topic that's maybe worth uh, mentioning for your own, well, catechesis, is that uh, Luther said that uh, tunes are given to amplify the text of God. That's a paraphrase, right? But that we sing God's word in order that it both be carried into our ears, but into our, our minds and into our heart. And music alone actually has that, that gift which is why then the Lord often gives to his people to, to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, to sing the Psalms. Uh, in this particular case, I might have chosen a different tune. <laughs> it was a little bit more upbeat tune given the text of the Psalm. One of the things that we don't do that uh, some Psalm settings do, which are quite lovely, is that they change the tone in the middle of the Psalm as the as the import of the text changes, then the tune changes to manifest this. Maybe a good example, one that you would know, um, would be the Te Deum, where that center section has a different tone, and then we come back to the first uh, mode in the last part of the canticle. So, yeah, one tone if it isn't often quite right for the whole psalm. <laughs> but regardless, there you go. Um, the other reason for singing, of course, is that it forces you to slow down, right? Um, to sing in a way that allows the words to ring out each word and then to consider each word as you sing. But it takes practice and it's a gift too. All right, let's say our memory verse for this week from Ephesians. You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 20. Catechism, Christian Questions and Their Answers. What should admonish and encourage a Christian to receive the sacrament frequently? Say it with me. First, both the command and the promise of Christ the Lord. Second, his own pressing need, because of which the command, encouragement, and promise are given. Question, what should you do if you are not aware of this need and have no hunger and thirst for the sacrament? Answer, with me. To such a person, no better advice can be given than this. First, he should touch his body to see if he still has flesh and blood. Then he should believe what the scriptures say of it in Galatians 5 and Romans 7. Second, he should look around to see whether he is still in the world, and remember that there will be no lack of sin and trouble, as the scriptures say in John 15 and 16 and 1 John 2 and 5. Third, he will certainly have the devil also around him, 
who with his lying and murdering day and night will let him have no peace within or without, as the scriptures picture him in John 8 and 16, 1 Peter 5, Ephesians 6, and 2 Timothy 2. A note about um, the reception of the Lord's Supper. The uh, Lord's Supper is, has, does not have the same instructions as baptism, for example. Um, the Lord would have us commend each day to our baptism to begin in, in the name and with making the sign of the cross and to end each day in the name, again, making the sign of the cross to remember um, that we have been marked by one redeemed by Christ the crucified, right? So forehead and heart. I do lips too because I'm your preacher. Um, note also, though, um, that there are occasions where the sacrament can't be received, right? We had that with COVID-19, where, um, and even now, it's, it's challenging to receive the sacrament in a way that also uh, respects um, our, our health and our well-being, um, but also um, with those who, um, who are near death or have difficulty um, swallowing or eating, um, that in those cases, <laughs> you're not denying the sacrament by not being able to receive it, but rather... Um, in those cases, the pastor will commend you again to your baptism, um, and your desire to receive the supper is still uh, God-pleasing and edifying, um, but it's actually the Lord's doing that you're not able to receive at that point. And uh, Christ's body and blood, of course, Jesus calls his, uh, his, himself bread from heaven, not just the reception of his body in your mouth, but even hearing his word is to be fed with his body, with bread, that true manna from heaven. So. Just a little note there for those of you who aren't able to receive the sacrament at the moment. Um, also, I see in the comments, Te Deum is hard, hard to play. Well, maybe hard to play on the organ. Um, try singing it a cappella. It's, uh, it's a little tricky, and I think the reason is, is that um, we've, lost, uh, we've lost kind of the ear for modal singing. Uh, modes are, uh, well, there's... There's many modes, but some of the most common modes are, are to begin, rather than begin on the, on the primary or the, the tonic, that is the, the main, is that right? No, the dominant, tonic, dominant, I can't remember, the first note of a scale, to begin on the second note of the scale and play through to, say, the second note, or to begin on the third note and play through to the third note. You can practice this on the piano if you can play scales, all right? And uh, we've lost the ear for those, for those modes. A lot of Lutheran chorales are written in modes um, other than, than um, major or minor. There's other modes like Ionian and, oh, they're not all going to come to me in their names, Dorian. <laughs> and they have different character to them, right? And actually Dorian in, that begins in like F sounds different than Dorian that begins on A. Um, there's a, a miraculous beauty to the way our brains and our ears work together, the way the Lord created them, um, that we can convey emotion by mode and by which is scale and by key what what where that note begins so <laughs> just a little side note there today i'm changes modes in the middle um, if you like scale and uh, you have to kind of get it in your head it's it begins on the same note but it's a different it's a different mode anyway uh, or key if you like all right let's get to our readings first reading today is from isaiah cha- chapter 22 The burden against the valley of vision. What ails you now that you have all gone up to the housetops? You who are full of noise, a tumultuous city, a joyous city. Your slain men are not slain with the sword, 
nor dead in battle. All your rulers have fled together. They are captured by the archers. All who are found in you are bound together. They have fled from afar. Therefore I said, Look away from me. I will weep bitterly. Do not labor to comfort me because of the plundering of the daughter of my people. For it is a day of trouble and treading down and perplexity by the Lord God of hosts in the valley of vision, breaking down the walls and of crying to the mountain. Elam bore the quiver with chariots of men and horsemen, and Kir uncovered the shield. It shall come to pass that your choicest valleys shall be full of chariots, and the horsemen shall set themselves in array at the gate. He removed the protection of Judah. You looked in that day to the armor of the house of the forest. You also saw the damage to the city of David, that it was great, and you gathered together the waters of the lower pool. You numbered the houses of Jerusalem and the houses you broke down to fortify the wall. You also made a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool. But you did not look to its maker nor did you have respect for him who fashioned it long ago. And in that day the Lord God of hosts called for weeping and for mourning, for baldness and for girding with sackcloth, but instead joy and gladness, slaying oxen and killing sheep, eating meat and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Then it was revealed in my hearing by the Lord of hosts, Surely for this iniquity there will be no atonement for you, even to your death, says the Lord God of hosts. Maybe the uh, reading here isn't immediately apparent um, to you all. I'll scroll back a little bit. Now, the Valley of Vision. I'm not exactly sure what that's referring to without doing some study. Um, but notice what's going on here is that there's a day of trouble uh, and perplexity that the Lord God of hosts is bringing. All right, and uh, and he's doing it by Elam and by Kir, who's coming with quiver of horsemen and chariot and shield, right? And they're coming to your gate. And the Lord had removed the protection of Judah, right? And but then, the people, rather than call out to the Lord for their help, the Lord is our help. Instead, tried to take care of things on their own, right? You know, um, damming the rivers and. Um, building up, tearing down homes to build up the walls, right? Rather than looking here in verse 11 to its maker, having respect for him who fashioned it long ago. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a common problem <laughs> that we don't look to God in time of need, but rather look to our own resources, the resources that God has given. <clears throat> and actually, you have this little side, little side idea, I would say, um, where it's unnatural to take the things that God has set up and then to turn them and twist them into things um, for our own purpose. So having dominion over creation, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean um, creating uh, riv- rivers where there weren't, um, lakes where there were not. I think you can, um, but especially in, in this, this idea of protection and um, protection from enemies, rather, rather to trust in the resources as God has given them um, to call out to him for help rather than <laughs> this, we'll just throw in a party because you're going to die tomorrow anyway. All right. Our reading for catechesis is from Matthew 9. 
Remember, we're always around the lake of uh, Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee right here. So we're still there, <laughs> have been for quite some time. So he got into a boat and crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying excuse me, on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Arise and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. And it looks like something else in my, on my home network is utilizing all of my internet. So let's see if we can uh, if we can lock it down here. Uh, wired, wired, dun, 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 dun. Mm, maybe not. Okay, well, somewhere there's congestion on the internet. Let's begin. Uh, who, or what, I should say rather, is a paralytic? It's especially true for the children. Uh, maybe you don't know. Yeah, this is one who has lost the ability to move um, various parts of the body. So there's different kinds of paralysis, total paralysis, quadriplegic, right? Just paralysis of the legs. That wouldn't be quad. I don't know. Just par par uh, paralyzed from the waist down is I think what we usually say. Yeah, I don't know where the buffering happens on the internet, so... Hopefully somewhere it makes up for the, for the gaps. Um, why did these men bring the paralyzed man to Jesus? Well, certainly they brought him um, to have him healed, right? They knew he could heal the man. Um, but first, actually, they came to hear his preaching. Of course, um, how do we know that? How do we know that they came first to hear Jesus and then for healing for their friend? that their priorities were in line here. Yeah, it's Jesus' own response, right? When he saw their faith. Uh, what did they believe? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, right? That Jesus was the Savior. What did Jesus then say to the paralytic? First, your sons are forgiven you. Be of good cheer. Yeah, uh, spruce up or something. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, what do Jesus' words here give to this man? Your sins are your sins are forgiven. You means you're you're forgiven, right? Jesus' words do what they say always. Uh, but what scandalized then the scribes who happened to be there again to listen to Jesus? Uh, maybe not out of faith, but rather to catch him in his words. Yeah, what scandalized them is that he's forgiving sins. Hmm. What does it mean um, when they say to him, this man blasphemes? Uh, what is blasphemy? 
Well, it, it has kind of a technical definition. I'm speaking carelessly, falsely, or insultingly about God or about the holy things of God. Um, in case here, with Jesus, they're accusing him as claiming divine attributes for himself by either word or deed. Which, of course, is true. Why did the scribes think evil in their hearts? That's what he says in verse 4. Um, why did they think these evil in their hearts of Jesus? Again, their accusation um, gives their reasoning, which is that they believed he was claiming to do what only God could do. Yeah, blasphemy is speaking of words that are not true, um, but very particularly speaking words that are not true and claiming them as having come from God, all right? Um, or to speak against God directly as well. So, um, he asked the question, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? And what's the answer? I've heard many sermons that try to figure out the answer. And the answer is, it's a rhetorical question. Neither are easy. <laughs> it's not easy to forgive sins. It requires one man to die for the sins of the world. It's not easy to say, arise and walk. It requires God in the flesh to actually um, heal his, or to heal him, right? To give him life where there was death. Yeah, they are both difficult and they're both um, alone deeds of God. How is sickness related to sin? And then consequently, how is forgiveness of sins re related to the resurrection of the body? Well, sickness is an outward sign of sin, the sin of the body, right? That we are born in sinful flesh. Forgiveness deals with the inner problem of sin so that the power of death is destroyed. But of course, that's ultimately realized in the resurrection. There's a problem, I suppose, that's um, worth mentioning here. Uh, where, um, Jesus deals with it on multiple occasions uh, where the Pharisees or scribes come to him and say, well, um, who sinned? Was it this, this man who was born blind or was it his parents? You know, uh, whose fault is it, in other words? And yes, his blindness is a manifestation of the way that sin has broken out into this world, right? But then Jesus says something very interesting. He says that his blindness was given to him. God allowed him to be born blind in order that the glory of God would be revealed. Right? And on that day, in that particular place, Jesus heals the blind man. All right? um, sin is, our sin is not given to us. We're born with it. The way that sin breaks out in our life, God actually allows that to happen um, always to point us back to faith in him. Right? He allows us to suffer the manifestation of our sin or the sin of others against us. Sin in just this world, being bar born um, into a sinful world, in order that we not put our faith or trust in ourselves, as Adam and Eve did when they brought sin into the world, but rather that we would trust in him. Right? And, and consequently, forgiveness of sins, um, it's wrong to be like Benny Hinn, for example, and say, well, he doesn't even proclaim forgiveness of sins or didn't, um, although I think he's kind of retired now from his healing ministry, right? Um, say that God is promising us healing now and in this place. Sometimes he grants that healing according to his will, but he has promised, and you can be sure of this, confident in this, that you 
who believe will receive the resurrection on the last day. All right, so just worth noting that. I think it'll come up in the meditation here in a moment too, if I remember right. Um, So what does the miracle then signify when he says, arise and walk? He tells you that he heals the man in order to signify that he has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Yeah, and note again here, um, New King James translates inconsistently, sometimes exousia as power, sometimes as authority. Um, Almost always authority is the better word for us in our context. Because we think of power, like who has the power? And by that we mean ability. Um, What the Greek actually means is who has the authority, who has been authorized. They have power, but they have that power under the authority that they've been given, not um, uh, under chaos, like wrestling authority away from someone else. So it's not ability, but it's authority, right? And what is this authority? To forgive sins. What does Jesus do with his authority, the authority given to him by the Father? Well, here, let's look at some other Matthew texts uh, to help us out with this. Uh, It'll come up right away in the next chapter in Matthew 10 uh, when he talks to his apostles, or his disciples, I should say. They'll be apostles eventually. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. All right, so um, by receiving the apostle whom Jesus sends, or the disciple, but later apostle, he who receives the one whom the Lord has sent has received the Lord, Jesus. And he who has received Jesus has received the Father who sent Jesus. You see? So there's this conveying of authority, and and then reception of um, the gifts is dependent upon the authority, right? Uh, Think of the office of the holy ministry, for example, as pastor. I've been authorized Yes, by the church, but on behalf of Jesus Christ, um, through the Holy Spirit, to deliver God's gifts to you, to, especially to the, to the local congregation that I've been called to, all right? I've been authorized. Um, there are those who claim to be pastors who haven't been authorized, right? Or at least don't see their authority as coming from the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's what he teaches. Um, think also, maybe, of um, at the end right? Uh, what we call the great commissioning. <laughs> it's the commissioning of the apostles, not the commissioning of every Christian, by the way. Uh, never mind the theology of the 80s. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, here it is, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Right, so you see how Jesus has all authority, and then before he ascends into heaven, he conveys that same authority upon his apostles, upon the apostolic church. To do what? To go making disciples by baptism and teaching. Right, that's their job. That's what they've been authorized to do. Um, Incidentally, if they act outside that authority, well, then they're not acting within the office, right? So I do not have the authority to claim that pastors roast coffee, <laughs> just as a side note. No, uh, that's not under my pastoral authority. Good. 
Meditation on this text. The men came believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior from sin, death, and the power of the devil. There is no distinction for them between physical infirmity and the affliction of sin. Jesus has the words of eternal life, which root out the power of sin in our lives. All men need this word of life. The scribes objected that forgiveness required the man to make himself worthy, and that is, that it was blasphemy for the man to forgive sins. Blasphemy was the sin of taking to oneself power and honor that belonged to God exclusively. Yet Jesus is both God and man. He has authority to forgive all sins, and has also bestowed upon men, particularly those who hold the office of the ministry, the power to forgive sins. The ministry of the word of forgiveness continues in the church today in the preaching of the gospel, catechesis, the loosing of penitent sinners from the condemnation of sin, of hell, through the word of absolution, both publicly and privately. Here we recall the words of the catechism regarding this authority. I believe that when the called ministers of Christ deal with me, or deal with us, by his divine command, in particular, when they exclude openly unrepentant sinners from the Christian congregation, and absolve those who repent of their sins and want to do better, this is just as valid and certain, even in heaven, as if Christ our dear Lord dealt with us himself. I see a question in our Facebook comment, um, but they are above us in knowledge, I think referring to the apostles. Yeah, um, authority doesn't have to do with knowledge, uh, only limited knowledge, knowledge of what the Lord has given us to do, right? Um, there's a danger in thinking that, um, that the pastor has authority because he knows a lot, <laughs> um, or he knows as much as the apostle. Well, that's not going to happen, by the way. Uh, no, um, the pastor's authority is derived from what the Lord has given him to do. Right, to preach the gospel. That is, that Jesus Christ died for your sins, to absolve you, to administer Christ's um, gifts of baptism and the Lord's Supper to you, and to do it the way that he's given them to be, to be administered, to be given out. Um, it's not that complicated, actually. It's a pretty short job description. <laughs> um, that doesn't make it easy, uh, but it's not complicated. Yeah, so the apostles are a lot like us. Actually, I think that's important to note, um, with the exception of St. Paul, um, the apostles to a man are not men of letters, um, meaning they're not scholars. They're fishermen, tax collectors, right? Um, and uh, tent makers, even in the case of Paul, although, uh, you know, he, did, he was quite well-schooled, which is probably why half the uh, New Testament is written by Paul, all right? But uh, the, the overriding, you know, character of the apostles is not... Not, these are not men um, that would be boasted or praised of um, in society for their, for their knowledge. Rather, their knowledge is a gift to them by the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's move on to our hymn, A Multitude Comes from the East and the West.
A multitude comes from the east and the west to sit at the feast of salvation with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the blessed, obeying the Lord's invitation. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. O God, let us hear when our shepherd shall call, in accents persuasive and tender, that while there is time we may haste one and all, and find him our mighty defender. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. All trials shall be like a dream that is past, forgotten all trouble and mourning. Then doubts have been answered at last, when rises the light of that morning. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. The heavens shall ring with an anthem more grand than ever on earth was recorded. The blessed of the Lord shall receive at his hand the crown that the victors awarded. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. We confess together our common faith by the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Pray the Collect for this week. O Lord, since you never fail to help and govern those whom you nurture in your steadfast fear and love, work in us a perpetual fear and love of your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Today also is the commemoration of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was active as God's prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah around 627 to 852, excuse me, 582 BC. As a prophet, he predicted, witnessed, and lived through the Babylonian siege and the eventual destruction of Jerusalem in 587. In his preaching, he often used symbols such as the almond rod and the boiling pot, wine jars, and a potter at work. His entire prophetic ministry was a sermon, communicating through word and deed God's anger toward his rebellious people. Jeremiah suffered repeated rejection and persecution by his countrymen. 
As far as can be known, Jeremiah died in Egypt, having been taken there forcibly. He is remembered and honored for fearlessly calling God's people to repentance. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, through the prophet Jeremiah, you continued the prophetic pattern of teaching your people the true faith and demonstrating through miracles your presence in creation to heal it of its brokenness. Grant that your church may see in your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the final end times prophet, whose teaching and miracles continue in your church through the healing medicine of the gospel and the sacraments. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray today on this Friday for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted, and for the sick and dying. We pray for all our first responders, doctors, nurses, and all those who work in nursing homes and hospitals, for an end to anxious thoughts and constant worry, for deliverance from pestilence, sedition, and rebellion, and for our military personnel. We pray today for those who celebrate their birthdays, especially Deborah Wilkie. We pray for those who have um, illness and in need, are in need of our Lord's healing touch. Marcella, Jan, David, Carol, Brad, Janet, Barb, and Carol, Sandy, Linda, Joan, Ken, Aaron, and Marion. We pray for those who are grieving, the Rush family and Pastor Lindau and his family. Pray for those who are isolated at home, Willis and Janice, Mickey and Bev. And we pray for all our missionaries, especially the Federwitz family. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So glad to have you all with us here today on this Friday, June 26th. Um, a lovely day, right now anyway, uh, and later we'll probably see thunderstorms here. Uh, God be with you all and keep you safe. We will see you, of course, tomorrow morning for daily prayer and then join us Sunday morning at 9.30 here in Historic Sherman Center if you're able. Otherwise, uh, you can watch the stream online. And uh, yeah, Lord be with you all. and. We'll see you soon.